welcome everyone tonight. Um, going to be honest, this was a little intimidating for me to say yes to. Um, I teach 13, 14-year-olds, uh, and I'm also the head wrestling coach at Crossings, and uh, so I work with about over 100 um, teenagers every day, but you throw an adult in there, it, it gets a little intimidating. So, um, but I, I'm glad to be here. Um, the last time I spoke at church, my dad's a pastor, so uh, I grew up in church my whole life, and I think my dad was hoping I would follow in his footsteps, that God would call me that way, and uh, the, the speaking part was always going to be the issue for me. Um, so he convinces me in 2009, uh, he thought it'd be cool if I did the, the Christmas Eve service at church. Um, I think it was the quickest sermon that church has ever seen. So nine-minute service, uh, we were out of there pretty quick, which is crazy because my wedding was only eight minutes. So it, I, we beat that, but, but um, I, I think we're going to have some fun tonight. Um, just by show of hands, how many of you had read Habakkuk before we even started, started this? I'm going to be honest, I knew what it was about, but I didn't take the two minutes it took to read it. So, uh, but I knew what it was about, and, um, but I, I took the time the last few weeks, I've, I've read it thoroughly. Um, I think that God does some cool things with some of the smaller books in the Bible, because um, obviously if they weren't important, they wouldn't be in there to begin with. So there are some smaller books. It's not even in the top 10 smallest books in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's, it's a small book, but God uses these three chapters to uh, add to our lives and to kind of uh, help us move in our walk with God. So like he said, we're in Habakkuk. And um, last week, we talked about, God, do you really care? And he kind of did an overview, and he did the first complaint and uh, the first answer from God. And we're going to keep moving on, and I'm doing, God, what are you doing? And uh, just some questions to think about as we talk tonight. Um, is it okay to complain to God? I mean, that, I feel like that's a question that, that I've had recently and in my life, especially the last few years, and we're going to talk about um, the way I teach. I like to introduce some of my stories, and it's fun because there's a lot of strangers out there, and I, I tell the stories to strangers more than I tell the people I know. So, But we'll get into that. Is it okay to complain to God? I feel like that's a good question to ask. Um, are your complaints eternal in nature? Because a lot, a lot of complaints that we have today, uh, I mean, I mean, I teach seventh graders, so some of my complaints, are, they're not eternal complaints. It's like, why can't so-and-so just leave so-and-so alone? Um, why doesn't it snow more in Oklahoma? Uh, why can't I have more snow days? Stuff like that, right? But my complaints usually, and you could probably attest to this, they're not always eternal. It's not going to be the thing that like hangs us up on our, our heavenly walk with Christ. Uh, when we complain, what type of response are we expecting back? It's like, are we complaining just to complain? Are we complaining to get an answer that we want back? Because sometimes the answers that we do get back aren't necessarily the, the answers that we're looking for. And I think we're going to see that in Habakkuk because he's going to complain and God kind of puts him in his place a couple times here. And uh, it's probably not what he wants to hear, but for us uh, as readers, and I, and I always think it's, it's fun, like, and I tell kids in class, you should probably be watching the kids who get in trouble because you're not the one getting in trouble, but you can learn from their mistakes. Well, with Habakkuk here, we can see him uh, go through this conversation of complaining and then God reacting back to the complaint. And do you ever complain about good things in your life? Uh, probably, probably not on that, but if you think about that, complaints, they're, they're usually in a negative tone. Um, 
you, you don't hear people complaining for good things, uh, like you just had something spectacular in your life and you're complaining. That doesn't go hand in hand. So uh, just think about those questions as we go over this tonight. Just an overview, kind of what uh, Scott talked about last week. Habakkuk, uh, book is included in the Minor Prophets. Um, and again, it's not so much minor because of um, he's not as important. Um, I, my kids, we go through uh, the New Testament, and you know, there's James, and then James the Lesser, the disciple. And my kids are like, was he shorter? No, not necessarily. Uh, it's the fact that there's not much about the guy. So these minor prophets aren't minor because of their information or their uh, importance to God. They're minor because they just didn't have a whole lot in the Bible, but they're still very important. Again, um, their words must be important if they're included. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put them in there to begin with. Uh, the book is written as a conversation with God. We, we get to see God talk back. Not very often do we see it. I mean, we saw that with Moses in the bush, but we, we get to see uh, someone say something and God responds back to them. And um, I still feel like that's present in my life today, just in a different, you know, means. Um, it's how life comes back at me. That's how God, you know, speaks back. Um, now that I have children, I, I man, I, I get to see God work in, um, sometimes it's frustration, patience. I get to see God work in all that, but a lot of times it's joy and, and happiness and all that good stuff there. Name is mentioned only twice in the Bible. Habakkuk 1.1, Habakkuk 3.1. That's the only time we see Habakkuk in the Bible. Um, with that being said, um, again, he's got to bring something to the table, and he did. So early life was during Israel's revival. So he got to experience life in Israel when things were good. And I think that's going to be some of the problems that he runs into because he saw it good, and he saw it slowly turn to something bad. And he was hoping to fix it. He was hoping to make it better. But um, it just slowly kept slipping away until they, um, especially with Jehoiakim. Uh, Scott said it last week. It's hard to say some of these kings' names. But um, he came in. Idols became important again. God became less important. And, and Habakkuk kind of struggled with that idea because he saw what it was like when it was good. And some of you can uh, kind of relate with that. When life's good, you know what it's like. And then when things start to slip away, um, you're kind of questioning what's going on a little bit. Um, and nothing else is really known about his life. Uh, I dug and dug um, with the internet that it is. Um, that was the statement that a lot of people wrote about. Um, there isn't much. Basically, what we have there, that's what we know about Habakkuk. Uh, he lived in a good time that slowly slipped into a bad time, and he tried to uh, ask God to fix the bad time and didn't like the response that was coming. Um, complain. Uh, I decided to put a couple definitions, and maybe we can, we can look at these here, to express grief, pain, and discontent. I, I, I feel like I go through a few of those complaints every day. Uh, uh, grief ones, pr probably not as much. And I'm going to talk uh, about a few grief things that's happened in my life. And, and I know that my heart should not have been where it is, but we complain in those moments. Uh, pain, I'm a, I'm a wrestling coach, but and some of these kids are starting to get bigger than me. I loved it when they were all junior high, but now that I have a 195-pounder and I only weigh 155, it's not as fair. But I, I, we all go through pain in, in, in different ways, not always physical, but emotional and, and uh, spiritual and all that stuff. And discontent. When you're not happy with something, um, you're going to complain about it. 
and I mean, a lot of you can, you had TVs and the internet the last year, uh, there was a political thing going on, I don't know if you remember that or not, and in two days, uh, there's going to be a lot of complaining for either side, and it's just the way it's going to be, and in, um, a lot of people think that the complaints help, and we're going to talk about tonight that that's not what it's all about. Um, and the second definition I have to make a formal accusation or charge. Um, I have a lot of kids that come to my desk every day with a formal complaint with someone else. Someone took my pencil. Someone, um, I don't know why, this is weird. Boys keep wanting to touch girls' hair. When I, when I was that age, I don't know why, like, I wouldn't do that. I still thought they had cooties, but now that Christmas break has come, I've learned after Christmas break, that's like the line, they, they were scared of girls or boys, and then all of a sudden Christmas break comes and something clicks, and now it's like girlfriends, boyfriends, and all that fun stuff, but um, there are all kinds of charts, like if you um, get arrested, if you get a ticket, I mean, there's complaints brought to you, and um, so there's a couple of the definitions that I, I found. I also wanted to see Maybe we can church this up a little bit, make the word complain not seem as bad. So I thought, let's look at some other words that, you know, goes along with that. And I don't think it did what I thought it would. But bellyache, fuss, gripe, groan, grumble, holler, moan, nag, wail, whimper, whine. And then there were ones from England, ones from Australia. I mean, I just found a whole, I could have went on forever, but I couldn't pronounce most of them. But any way that you want to spin it, complaints are bad. I mean, they're going to be from a negative tone. So we're going to jump right into the, uh, the scripture here. We're going to start with Habakkuk's first complaint. So if you want to follow along, we're at Habakkuk 1.12 and Habakkuk's second complaint. Lord, are you not from everlasting? <laughs> that, that first statement there, uh, it kind of sets the tone with Habakkuk's attitude already. And I, I don't know the guy. He was a little bit before my time. I never met him. But uh, I can get just from his tone in, in this complaint that um, he's not happy. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. Your Lord have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then, and here's where it gets good, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So as you see in this complaint, um, he's already not happy with God. He's telling God already things that God already knows about himself, that your eyes are too pure to look on evil. God already knows that. So it's like Habakkuk is just telling him stuff he already knows. So we can see that Habakkuk must be upset because usually that's the idea. When you get into an argument or a fight, you usually tell them their wrongdoing. You tell them stuff they already know. And Habakkuk's going to come at God already early here with this idea that, God, aren't you this and this and this, so why are you allowing this and this, this to happen? Some observations I saw in uh, just these two, chapter, or two, these two verses here. Habakkuk remembers the good times. We talked about that. He was around when Israel was um, honoring God, when they were loving God, and he remembers those times. But is struggling with the bad times. Things aren't going the way that he thought they were going to go. He was hoping that God would be number one and center of Israel for all time, and he sl saw it slipping away. Habakkuk has his own ideas, doesn't understand God's, and does not even try to understand. So Habakkuk must have an idea of what life should look like. I mean, he, 
he has an understanding in his mind that it must be this and this, but God has allowed something that he didn't like to happen, and it's like tearing his world apart. And sometimes in our lives, it could happen the same way. We want it to happen, we want something to go our way, um, we think of it to be this way, and it doesn't happen that way, and we don't even look at it from God's point of view, we don't even try to understand it. We just complain about it. We don't try to look at it from any other view but our own. And the last thing I saw in this is Habakkuk is looking for fairness in an unfair world. Um, this uh, book I w- struggled with my whole life. This guy named Robert Schuler wrote a book called Life's Not Fair But God Is Good. And my parents read it when I was a little kid. And anytime I complained without missing a beat, it was always life's not fair, but God is good. Every single time I complained about anything, that's what I had to hear. So I'm sure the book was good, but just because I got pounded over and over by it, I probably will never read the thing. But my parents, uh, my dad's a reader. He read it a long time ago. It came out in 91, so I was seven when it came out. But um, life's not fair, but God is good. If Habakkuk would just hear that right there, maybe that would change his attitude just a little bit. But he's looking for fairness in an unfair world. He does not understand why he was wanting the Israelites to come back to God, and he was hoping that God would punish them. But the punishment, and uh, if you weren't here last week, the punishment was he was going to allow the Babylonians to come in, and they were going to do their thing, and basically the Israelites were going to suffer for it. And Habakkuk didn't think that was fair, but he wanted, um, he wanted some sort of punishment, but when it was dueled out, he didn't like it. Um, going back up to Habakkuk remembers the good times. I, I had a story written down, and um, so in 2008, I had graduated from Mid-America Christian University, and without any time... Uh, about a week and a half out of college, I just graduated. I'm getting excited about trying to find my uh, first job and all that good stuff that comes with that. Um, I started getting sick. Um, I went to a movie with some friends, uh, did my usual. I drank, drank my Dr. Pepper, ate my candy bar, and halfway through the movie, I uh, uh, kind of had like a fainting spell. And then they uh, called an ambulance and said that they had a drunk guy up front and uh, I was having like a low blood sugar, uh, and um, so we thought that was a one-time deal. Um, just coincidence, a couple days later, uh, my appendix went bad, and they took it out, and um, we thought I was going to be on the mend, and everything was going to be good. So I start thinking, hey, let's start finding this job. Well, a couple weeks go by, and um, I start having fainting spells uh, in the middle of the night. Like, I'd wake up uh, covered in sweat, and I'd like like pass out or not, not know what was going on. And uh, I started seeing every doctor I could find. They sent me to the, like heart doctors, uh, got my brain scanned. We, we did all these things. And um, we, it took over a year to figure it out. And I, I went to a doctor, and while I was waiting, his nurse practitioner was talking to me, and I explained what was going on. And she goes, I think you're this different kind of hypoglycemic that it's kind of rare, but it's reactive. So when I did have like sugar, like um, my body would produce too much insulin and uh, uh, I just crash every time. And so that made sense. Uh, 
my diet was not the best. I wrestled my whole life, so as soon as wrestling was over, I found all the good stuff. So, um, I, you know, I'd have Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, all, the, all that good stuff, and it just kept happening over and over, and I thought sh- she may have been onto something, so the doctor tested me for it, and that's exactly what it was. So after a year of being sick, and I'm talking about, I went into the ambulance four times, um, I was anxious, it caused me a lot of anxiety because I didn't know what was going on. And um, I'm bringing all this up because I complained a lot. I thought I was Job for a year. Uh, I thought my world was falling apart. And I just graduated from a Christian college hoping to do ministry. And then all of a sudden I have something like in my life that's not what I wanted it to be. Um, so once I figured my diet out, um, my buddies were a little bit bummed because when I had my low blood sugars, um, I went crazy, and they, they, they got a, a few laughs out of it, but I mean, they were, they were good buddies and stood by me, but uh, I went crazy, but once I got that figured out, um, and, uh, and it was even so bad, they even took my gallbladder, so I had two surgeries over this thing, and, and it wasn't my gallbladder either, so um, I'm a couple organs lighter and all that good stuff, but I say all that because Habakkuk remembers the good times. I remember the good times, the good times of zingers and, and oatmeal cream pies, the good times of Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper, but now my life had to completely change. So for the last, uh, that was 2008, so the last eight years, uh, I'm pretty much sugar-free good stuff, uh, sugar-free candy. I don't remember what the sweets tasted like now, so the good times are back, I guess. But um, I wanted to talk about a couple of verses. It's sad for Habakkuk that he was Old Testament and then some wise guys came in the New Testament. He didn't get to see some of the things that they said. But Philippians 2.14 says that do everything without grumbling or arguing. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth that it may benefit those who listen. James 5.9 says don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So these verses all speak on the idea that basically if it's not good, if it's not uplifting, if it's not something productive, uh, we should just keep it to ourselves. And Habakkuk, um, and he could have been the greatest guy of all time during that time. He's a prophet. He's in the Bible. He loved God, but he also questioned God. And the, th- the thing here is th- this might help us change our perspective on some things. If you think about it, and I, as I was doing this, I thought about how many times do I complain in a day? I don't think, I don't think it's possible to go a day without complaining. It could be something really, really simple. I'm not saying like some over-the-top complaint, just into the world, I'm on Facebook blasting everybody, uh, stuff like that. Just mind, I don't know if that's possible. Uh, someone cuts you off on the way to work and you're already late, uh, you're complaining. It might be to yourself, but God hears it, right? Um, now that I have kids, um, my little boy is a year and a half. He's a little spark plug. He, uh, he might do something that I just don't understand. I don't know why he would do that, but he's one and a half, so that's why. But complaints come with that. Um, I teach 80, 13-year-olds every day. There's going to be complaints that go with that. Now, should it be that way? It shouldn't be that way. I should be able to um, control that, uh, work harder to maybe keep it in check, but that's also part of my daily walk with God. 
moving on in, in um, going on to verse 14. So his, uh, his complaint is going to continue, but now he's going to kind of symbolize it. He's going to kind of put it into a metaphor, what he sees going on and how he feels uh, that it's, it's not fair. You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net, he gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. And it continues. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep an emptying on? Habakkuk is relating what's going on to fishermen and the fish. Uh, We get to see this a lot in, in the Bible that they relate things to what they know. And at this time, uh, fishing is a way of life, and it, it's important. It's how they live and survive. So he sees the Israelites, he sees his people as being the fish. He sees them um, being just wandering a, a, around in the water aimlessly to be eaten or sold. So he does not understand what a Babylonians then, people who are more wicked than the Israelites, why they get to be the fishermen. Why are they the ones that get to say, um, I'm going out fishing today, and I'm going to go catch some of these Israelites. I'm going to go put them in captivity. I'm going to do what I want to do with them because they are the evil ones. Makes no sense. And honestly, uh, if I was in his position, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Is that really fair? But again, we just talked about life's not always going to be fair. Revelations from 14, 17, Habakkuk compares the Israelites to fish something that has no power and roams aimlessly with a simple life. Babylonians are shown as having all the power, catching fish at will with different methods. I, I feel like that's important to see that he, they caught them with nets. They caught them with hooks, drag nets, different styles. and They, in real life, were controlling the Israelites in any means necessary. Um, if it was their slaves, it was making them do what they wanted to do. If it was just place had to submit to the Babylonian rule. Babylonians believed that they were the means to their success, or the means to their success was tools, obviously leaving God out of the equation. It says in the verses that they started burning incense to their nets. Oh, that's uh, representative of idols. They pushed God out. They thought that the nets were what was keeping them alive, what was most important. So they uh, pushed God out completely. They were a godless nation. They, their god was idols to begin with. So the Israelites were losing God, and now the, the people that were conquering them were even further above not using God. So, again, I see where Habakkuk's coming from. I'm, I'm sure some of you can agree with that. That's not really fair. When doubt comes against us, we have to lift up the shield of faith. We do this when we open our mouth and say what God's word says, rather than grumbling and complaining about the problem. Uh, That's from Joyce Meyer. And then uh, Joel Osteen says, if you cannot be positive, at least be quiet. Uh, I think that's that's point blank. Um, It is a struggle for all of us, I, I agree, to understand why things in our lives happen the way they do. Um, I told you one story, and that's just the, the little one, um, about me being sick. Um, the last three years have been kind of crazy, and my, my wife, uh, Carrie, um, 
She's on staff here. She's uh, the administrative assistant. But um, my wife, Carrie, and I got married a little over three years ago. And when we got married, that's when our lives started to crumble a little bit. Not so much the marriage part, but that's when our outside life started to struggle a little bit. Um, my father was needing a transplant uh, for quite a while. And um, he had a kidney transplant about 20 years ago. And that one was giving out. And he was needing a new one. So for a while, I knew it was going to be me. Um, it, me and my sister were a match. But um, I wanted to, I'm the big brother. I was going to take that role on. So uh, I, I went ahead and said that I would uh, donate a kidney to my dad. Um, our timing was always awesome. So while we were waiting on that, me and my wife thought um, we'd always loved um, Down syndrome. My wife, uh, before working here, she worked at a place called Wing. It um, was something that we had to have in our life. So before we were even married, we had the conversation that we wanted to start our family with a little daughter with Down syndrome. So we started that process uh, before the, the transplant stuff uh, was happening too. So we had that going, and uh, we were waiting on that and waiting on that. And um, as we were waiting on that, uh, we get the phone call that my dad was needing to do the transplant sooner rather than later. So I, on May 7th, uh, 2014, um, and he's doing great now, uh, so I've, I'm three organs lighter, I guess, and so the other stuff, but so we come back, and, and I thought I was He-Man. I, I work out with kids every day. Um, right now, during wrestling season, I do junior high and high school, so I, I wrestle twice a day. Uh, I run with them. I do everything. I, I felt like I was in good shape, so when they said it, it was going to take me a while to get over this, I said, I'll show you guys, and it took me a while to get over it, so uh, two months, and I was still struggling running on one kidney instead of two. Um, so we go a, a few months, and we get a phone call and, about a little baby girl with Down syndrome, and um, she was in Hawaii, and we got super excited about it, and honestly, we thought it was a God thing because I have a brother that lives in Hawaii. So I was like, how convenient. We've never been there. We could stay with him. We could get this little girl, and two days later, we get a phone call and says that it fell through. And that the parents had decided uh, that they were going to keep her, which we're also excited for that part. Um, so as we're going, um, we get a phone call on a Sunday afternoon in September. And um, we were super excited because they were telling us we were going to have a daughter um, if we wanted her. On Wednesday, she would be ours. So we were a little freaked out because we weren't ready at all. And we thought, usually the case is you had time to plan for this stuff. Um, we, didn't, we didn't plan for this. Uh, they said that she was three weeks early, so we went out and bought all these preemie, preemie clothes. She was still eight pounds, six ounces, so she didn't fit any of those. So, so we get to go meet our, our daughter, um, and that was, that was intense to, beyond belief, because we basically had an interview with the birth parents. And they were going to decide after the interview uh, whether or not she was going to be ours. Uh, then we had a, a um, you know, a, an agent with the agency that was going to help us through all the process. And she was supposed to call us that night and let us know um, whether or not she was ours. Well, we didn't get a phone call that night. So we woke and we didn't sleep that night. So we got up out of bed the next morning, loaded the car to head back to Oklahoma City. And we get a phone call right as we're about to leave town saying, hey, uh, I'm sorry, I fell asleep last night, but she is yours. So uh, 
again, I'm telling you all this story because I complained a lot in these three years. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Down syndrome. And we know the complications with some of the things that they're born with. And she just happened to, uh, we were told she was born with a perfect heart. And usually they're born with a birth defect in their heart. So we were super excited about that. Well, as we get to the hospital, the doctors were going to do a different ultrasound on, on Monday, and they had found out that they had missed it, and that she did have the heart defect, which, that's our daughter, we're, we're going to go work through that together. And usually, about two or three years uh, old is when they have their heart surgery to fix that. Well, Nora, uh, our little daughter's name is Nora, um, she went home with us, and again, we were trying to figure this thing out, and... Um, she stopped eating for us, and we couldn't figure it out. And the cool thing about it doesn't matter if it's adoption or if, if you carry the baby. You're, like the connection with a mom and a, and a child, I, I, don't, I can't explain it since I'm a dad, I guess. But I can explain it. But Carrie knew something, decided to take her to a whole different doctor. And the doctor told us we need to get to the ER as quick as we could. She was like in heart failure. So um, we have this month-and-a-half-year-old baby. And I, I, I left out the twist for a reason here, but I left out a twist here. But, so we're going to the hospital with this little baby, and um, w- here's the twist. While we adopted Nora, we were in the hotel for a week waiting to cross the state lines. Uh, Carrie started getting sick. Like, there's no way, but you can take a pregnancy test. And So my wife was a month and a half pregnant when we adopted Nora, and so... We go to the hospital with this little baby who needs a serious heart surgery. Uh, we end up being in there about a month, and my wife has morning sickness through all of it. So we were that cute couple that was pregnant and had a month-and-a-half-year-old. So um, we get Nora through the surgery, one of the scariest things I've ever had to be through, just having my baby like that, uh, so powerless and all that stuff. Uh, we get her fixed up. She's good to go. Her heart's perfect now, uh, but we still have this another baby on the way, and we were in a small little duplex, so we're trying to find, buy a house during all of this. So we, we decide, we decide because uh, the little duplex, we had a thousand foot, her toys, just her toys were taking over everything, so we're like, we're about to have a little boy, and someone told me boys have more stuff than girls. I don't agree with that. It's, it's pretty equal. But um, So this little boy is on the way, and we buy a house. And uh, well, when we bought the house, we, we had a baby, and nine days later had to move into that house. So it, it, was, it was crazy. Um, again, complaints, complaints, complaints. I sometimes forget the blessings in my life through the storms in my life. Like, the fact that I had a daughter to have, to have surgery on was a blessing. The fact to purchase a house through all this crazy stuff, a blessing. But for some reason, in my small-mindedness, I found the complaint, the complaint, the complaint. And as we saw with Habakkuk, he was good to find the complaint in his situation. Well, we go, go on a little bit. We finally feel like our life is calming down a little bit, and we get a random phone call on a morning and I might get emotional for this part, but my wife's uh, father suddenly passed away. So, um, so our storms continue, complaint, complaint. So that was last September. So our last three years have been pretty, um, pretty hard. And uh, the cool thing about God is he was with us through all of it. Even when I was complaining to him, 
he was with me. Um, when I was crying with my wife, he was with me. Um, with Habakkuk, he needed to understand life isn't always going to be his way. And we're going to get into God's response here pretty quick. But life is going to be hard. And sometimes it's not fair. I'm teaching about complaining right now. And I already know that if I don't guard my heart tomorrow, a complaint's going to come out of this mouth. Um, the, the crazy thing is we have one of the biggest duels of our whole season tomorrow. It's our dual districts. And I had three kids throw up today at school. The, the flu just happened to hit, and I, my, my best wrestler got a concussion yesterday and now for two weeks. So I have a feeling co- complaints are going to pop out of this mouth. I'm going to try not to do it that way, but, but there is a goal set ahead of us to do that. So I s- told you my story for th- this purpose. Even though I complained, God did not turn his shoulder on me. He could have been like, if that's the way you're going to be, if that's the attitude with all the blessings I did give you, If that's the way it's going to be, I can just turn my back on you and be done with you. I can have the Babylonians move in and take over. But that's not what he did for me. He allowed me to continue to have blessings. Uh, I still had a solid job. I had a job that allowed me syndrome. She doesn't fight off sickness very, very well. Just something that's very common. Their their immune systems are a little bit weaker. Uh, The last year, she's caught everything you can think of. Um, Lizzie's a doctor. Everything she can say, she Nora's probably had. Um, but um, RSV last year, we were in the hospital for a week. ICU for three days. But m- more chances to complain. But again, more chances to praise God through through our struggles. So we're going to look at what God's response is. There's going to be a lot of verses coming at you, and I'm just going to read the whole thing through, and then we're going to talk about it. So bear with me as we read this. Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest, because he is as greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods. Must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left, with, left will plunder you. For you will have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? We're getting there. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors. 
pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame and nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes its trusts in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. There is no breath in it. And I left this one to be alone for a reason. 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. One of the weird things, since I teach junior high, I said nakedness twice. I didn't hear any giggles. That was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. So I'm just going to break this down. I wanted the importance to be the understanding of, of his complaint. His complaint was pretty small, four verses, and God's response to it was pretty big. So if we think that God doesn't care, obviously he does because his response was pretty blunt and to the point. That's the thing, one of the things I love about God when he answers, he's going to answer his way and he doesn't shy about anything. He's going to, if it has to be blunt, and Jesus was the same way. He lived a perfect life, but he wasn't afraid of anything that came at him. He did not back down. And God's not going to back down. He's got a guy that loves him, who thinks that life's handed him a bad you know, hand, and he's, uh, God's going to put him in his place, but he's going to do it the right way, God's way. So observations from what we just read here. God hears our complaints and we respond. When we complain, he knows. He already knows before we complain what they are. He's there in it. So um, we need to understand that he hears us. So when we think about complaining, we might want to reword it to not so much a complaint or a, a need that we have. It could be as simple as the way we present it to God. Well, with that being said, I'm going to lift up my wrestlers tomorrow. If I'm down a few guys, I can twist it the right way. I was at a tournament on Monday because of the ice for 14 hours. A uh, couple of the moms, uh, not so much complaining, but they couldn't believe how long we were there, and I kept spinning it a positive way, and they're like, I don't know how, I, in front of a parent, I got to spin it the right way. The second thing I saw in this, there is an overall goal that we are working for. Our day of judgment is coming. Our little complaints aren't what's going to get us to heaven. Like, if something doesn't go our way, that's not what's always important. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the job that I wanted. Um, my kids don't seem to calm down at night when we want to uh, go to bed. Um, I have two teething kids right now, and they seem to be in bed with us a little bit more than we want. But Jesus is what's important. So are our complaints eternal? Are what we're upset about, are they going to affect our walk with Christ? Uh, I find myself telling some of my, my students when they're upset about something, is it going to be important to you? In 20 years, you probably won't even remember my name in 20 years, right? So is this going to be eternal? Is this something that I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of my life and even after life is over? So when we complain, and that's going to probably limit some of your complaints. And the third thing, the Babylonians will get theirs. Did you see that second half of, of those verses we read there? That he was saying that they've been wronging a lot of people. People are upset 
but they're waiting for the right moment. And they're all going to build up together, and they're going to take down, and they did. The Babylonians fell. They weren't in power forever. So the Babylonians will get theirs. It's coming. It sometimes takes time. We don't understand why about it. We don't understand why we're where we're at. It takes time sometimes. Um, some of those situations I just told you about that those last three years, I didn't think we were ever going to get out of them. Some days, I don't know if we still are. Uh, some of you might know what it's like to lose a parent. Um, I haven't, but being a spouse, it, it is so hard. Um, some days, I don't know what to say. Uh, there's a lot of holidays that mean a lot to uh, Carrie and her dad, to see them grow. So it, it's going to be hard, and we're still working through some of this stuff. But my complaining isn't going to fix the problem. It's going to take some time, and it's going to take God to get through it. And if it isn't on earth, it will be at the day of judgment. So if we're not going to get it figured out now, if there is evil in this world, and we kind of talked about you know, the politics thing, the stuff that's going on, um, the death toll in Chicago, uh, uh, every time my parents live in Michigan, so they're moving down here, and, uh, but we drive through Chicago quite a bit, and it, it's crazy. Um, I kind of quit reading the news, and if Facebook didn't connect me with some uh, friends from way back, it's like, what's the point of Facebook now other than seeing all this terrible stuff that's happening in this world? Um, if it's not on earth, their judgment is going to come. Our judgment is going to come. So we can't get bogged down with the ideas of, of complaining here and there. We got to just understand this thing. We just got to get on board and go with it. And again, something's going to happen. Something always does. A tire blows on your way to work. Um, you oversleep. There's going to be things, and you're, the first thing that comes out of your mouth might be a complaint. Uh, life is going to be a lot easier for everyone, and this is, includes me. It's going to be a lot easier for me if I can start twisting these things to fit what God wants it to, to be like. Just tonight, we are to bring our problems to God the correct way. And then we kind of touched that. Um, cha- instead of complaining about it, asking, um, thanking Him for the situation. I've talked about that with my students before, about how sometimes things aren't fair, and, uh, but thank God for this school. Thank God that you have parents that care so much, they ground you when you do something wrong. That blows their minds. They don't, get, they don't get that one. But they have parents who care enough to ground do that. Uh, we can spend a lot of time complaining or use that same time to find the solution or answer to our problem through God. The time that we, in effort we put into our complaints we could be putting into fixing whatever problem or looking through God's word to find a peace or an understanding. But a lot of us, it's complain, 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 when it could be read, go to church, talk about it. Um, that, that's the cool thing. I, I mean, there's a lot of cool things about having a spouse. I found stuff off of her, and she's going to uh, listen to it. But I got to start thinking about it the right way. Instead of complaining to her, I need to just talk it out, and, and God will honor that a little bit more, I feel like. God's plan will always be better than our own. Always. I've had a lot of plans. Um, one of them was never to teach kids. That was a good one, right? Um, I remember how, and my kids don't understand how I know what they're doing, like, before they even do it. 
like I'll be looking at someone did behind me and I'll turn around and call them out and they'll be like, how do I know? I was that kid. I, I, I understand it. I was a pastor's kid, but I was Mr. Rambunctious, Mr. Uh, uh, hyper all the time. And I know exactly what they're thinking about. So, but God's plan will always be, always be better than your own. And the evil will have their day of reckoning. A lot of people complain, especially on social media, about stuff, about evil stuff, about stuff that's bad. But really, what are their complaints doing? If anything, uh, my complaint might cause others to complain. Uh, if you didn't know about this story and I go around telling you and I'm complaining about uh, this and this and this, well, they're going to start complaining about this and this because they just heard it from me. Well, if we start spinning things, start saying stuff that's going to be positive, it's going to uh, maybe change the whole dynamic of everyone. Questions to ponder. Do you live a life filled with complaints to God? At times I do. That's a struggle. And it doesn't matter um, if you've been going to church your whole life or you started last week. That's going to be a, that, that's the way it is. Um, complaints, um, complaints are always going to be there in our lives unless we fix it through God. Number two, do our complaints to God show a lack of trust in him? At times, I think that is the case. Because I have in a college, I'd have a job. I thought, this was silly. I thought I'd be married at like 21. And uh, I'm one of those rare, de- I wanted kids. I wanted, Carrie gets annoyed. I want a whole boatload of kids. And she's like, uh, carry one and, and you'll see. It's not as fun as it's all made out to be. But, um, but sometimes I lose that trust in him. I need to keep that focus on him. He's got it if I would just sit back and let him take it. And the last thing uh, before we give everything to God. How do we get to that place? Um, and I, I tell my kids, and it's going to be a Sunday school answer, how many of you read your Bible every day? And a lot of my kids don't. Um, how many of you are spending that devotion time? And I'm saying outside of the Bible, time where you're actually finding things to apply to your life, and you're building your life up through that. And a lot of my students don't. But coach, I have homework. Well, I get that. Minutes and spend some time with God. But pray, go to church. They're lucky enough, um, especially the kids that go to crossings, their, their youth group is, is phenomenal. I grew up in a small church in Iowa, and we had 30 kids, 30 kids in our whole state, state youth camps. So 30 kids. In my classroom at one time, I might have more than 30 kids. It's crazy. But do we fully give everything to God? I'm telling you, your life will be better. Um, Your marriage will be better. Your relationships with everyone will be better. If we stop complaining for ourselves and and start putting everything, um, spinning it the right way for God.